look at it in particular light. Uh, several things that we all face and deal with and are a part of. And I want us to, to focus on family tonight. Uh, I don't know much about what your upbringing was and, and situations you were in, but I, I was thinking the other day, when we had events at school, nearly every kid had parents that showed up for it. And they usually had two parents. It may have been a step-parent involved, but, but there were two parents there. Uh, they, I can remember they used to, at the elementary school I was at, they would have uh, PTA meetings, and uh, the auditorium would be packed with people. Parents and children, and everybody was there, and, and uh, they always had a program. And I always remember you'd go to the cafeteria, and for a dime, you got a Coke and a donut, you know. And uh, that, that was my favorite part, you know. But uh, something's happened. The, the concept of family is just different now than, than it's ever been. And I, I look at it at school, and, and, and I've mentioned this before, but, but it, it, it just blows my mind how, how few of my students have the same name as their parents. And they're being raised by grandma, by aunts. They don't know where mama is or they know where mom and daddy are. I had a student one year, not too many years ago, that every weekend she went to a different prison one time to see her dad and the next time to see her mother. And that's so different from, from my upbringing. I'm not saying there weren't bad parents and, and, and I'm not saying that there weren't single parents, and, and I'm not saying there weren't tough situations, but the overwhelming majority had a family of some type. And, and, and I think that's important. Uh, it, it was important because there, there was a male figure and a female figure, and they were able to, to, to recognize life and, and roles that each fulfill and, and, and it, it was a role model for them. It, it, it set them on a path, and they kind of knew what was happening. The, the talking heads, if, if you listen to them, they'll talk about the breakdown of the modern family, and I don't disagree with that. They'll talk about uh, uh, how children are often allowed to be totally disrespectful, and, and, and they just excuse it or blow it off, and I don't disagree, I mean, I, I don't argue with them over that, but it's a bad thing. And, and they'll talk about uh, how many parents are absentee parents, that they, they sometimes because they have to to survive, but sometimes because they choose, just kind of leave the, the children on their own to, to take care of themselves. And, and, and they talk about the well, I was reading one the other day that was talking about the feminization of the American male and, and the masculizing uh, of, of the, the American female. And, and the roles ha have been blurred where children, when they look out there, they don't know what a family is. I, I used to do things in class that had to do with, uh, uh, it was genetic study, but I would do it like a, a family tree type study. 
And I noticed one year that we were working on this. I'd done it for a number of years and, and never had seen anything. But there was one little girl back in the corner, and she was crying. And, and it hit me how many of these kids don't have a clue who their family is. Not truly. They know who their caretaker is. And, and nowadays they will talk openly about who their guardian is and they recognize it's not a parent. And often it's not somebody of, of a shared bloodline. And it's tough on those kids. It, it really is. But the one thing I rarely hear in the media, when you talk, listen to the talking heads and the experts and the psychologists and psychiatrists and child-rearing book authors and everything else, rarely will they say that the root of the problem is, is we've left Scripture. And we're not using the Bible as our child-rearing guide. And, you know, I, I've said it myself, okay? I've been guilty of it, that saying that, well, when you have children, you don't have a how-to manual. But you know what? You do. You do. And it's called the Bible. And Proverbs is just full of lessons about family, the connection. In Proverbs 10 and 1, it says, A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is the grief of his mother. And, and if you just stop with that one passage and think about it, and think about what we've talked about as, as it relates to wisdom, a wise son is one who has been taught and they have been driven to understand <coughs> and to become someone who is in touch with God. To be a godly person. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son, which foolish is opposite of wise, a foolish son is the grief of his mother. So what, what does this all mean? In, in uh, Proverbs 11, in verse 29, It says, he who troubles his own house will inherit the wind, and the fool will be servant to the wise of heart. Now, what, what does it mean to inherit the wind? You get nothing. It's here right now, but it, and then it's gone. And, 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 and that, that, that's what happens. He who troubles his own house will inherit the wind. Now, I, I'm, I know I'm not the only one that at some point dealt my parents some grief, okay? <laughs> I noticed that. But but we do we, we we pull some foolish stunts and uh, you know 
I, I know mom's gray hair is partially due to my brothers, but <laughs> but, uh, but but you know we pull stunts. Uh, but but I, I'm talking about, and, and this is talking about he who troubles his house. That there, there are certain things that kids are going to do. You know, I, I mean, you're, you're going to try things and you're going to do things and you, you're, you're going to pay the price for it at some point, either physically or uh, emotionally or something, but, but you're going to pay a price somewhere along the way. But we're talking about those who refuse to embrace the family that are totally combative against the family that that have a desire I, I listen to kids folks I, I, I teach 11 12 13 year olds okay and I hear 11 12 13 year olds will talk about the happiest day of their life is whenever they can leave their house and get out of there but you listen to their story, and you know what? Sometimes it'd be the best thing for them is get out of there and get somewhere else. The trouble comes not, it, you know, trouble can come from many places. You, you, you've got the father and, and, and the husband within the family, and you've got mom and the wife, and you have the children, and any one of those can, can generate the trouble. It can come from anywhere. In any one of them, the result is going to be whatever they have is going to be gone. It's going to be gone. I, I, I know raising our, our own kids, and, and we definitely, I'm sure we made tons of mistakes. I know we did. Could have done things a lot differently here and there. But I know as they aged and got closer to that point that they were fixing to graduate from school and go off and go out on their own, I start running all these questions through my mind. What, what should I have done? How, how should I approach these situations before? What do I say to them? And quite honestly, the best advice I think I ever gave my son was right before he got married, I said, just remember these two words. Yes, ma'am. You know, and, and I said, you're going to make things go a lot smoother. And I told him words to listen for. And the wife goes, fine. Okay. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm talking about? You, you pick up on those little things. And when I hear that word, I mean, the palms get sweaty and, and you think, okay, what did I say? You know, how do I get out of this? But we make mistakes. But mistakes can be corrected, right? So sometimes we, we do things without fully thinking about it. I've, I've told you all the stories about the things I said, and I'm not going to tell you again, that I thought were the right thing. Guess what? They weren't the right thing. They weren't the right thing. And it got cold. And it wasn't the air conditioner that was causing it. You know, those are mistakes. We can correct those things. But I'm talking about fathers that give up the authority within the house. Fathers that refuse to bow before God. 
fathers that refuse to accept the responsibility that they have a, a young man in training that's growing up and that they need to be directed. And even when that child gets to the point, you know, you know boys, I think more so than girls, has been my experience, boys reach that point while they're in school, they don't want you to give them a hug in public. And, and I, I remember when uh, Becky would drop Jack, uh, what's my son? Jeremy. <laughs> How soon we forget. You know, they go away and you don't feed them anymore and that's it. But they developed this deal that he wouldn't give her a hug. He's like, what, first grade? First or second grade, but he would reach over and he'd squeeze her hand three times. But he wanted it beneath the dash, you know, where nobody could see it. You know, and, and that's understandable because they're trying to establish kind of who they are. But I mean, that boy's a hugger nowadays. You know, he doesn't care. But fathers can just flat give up their responsibility to teach their sons how to be a father. And that's sad. And it's very obvious at school those that don't have a male figure to look to. And something else I see from those that don't have that male figure is they have problems with women teachers. I wonder why that is. Because they've never seen anyone that loved their mother, that cared for their mother, that took care of their mother in every way, that cherished their mother. And they need to see that. Because that's what they see is quite likely going to be the way they, that they have a marriage in the same mode. And, and that's scary. Mothers, mothers have a responsibility, just like fathers, not just to their daughters, and the father not just to their son. They need to be examples. What it means to be a loving mother. What it means to be uh, a loving wife. To correct them just like the father does. You know, I've, I've watched in homes, uh, and I'm not saying it's the right way, wrong way, or anything else. I just never saw it work, in my experience, where the punishment would be delayed. Wait till your father gets home. In my house, punishment was swift and sure. And it didn't matter which one was. It happened. Children. Disobedience. Disrespect. It, it, isn't it sad when you see families just implode and or explode? And, and that's what happens so much and so often. You know, it, it used to be said, the, the, the thing about family, that was always the place you could go home to and they had to love you anyway. That used to be the truth. But it's not anymore. 
See, our, our society has allowed our families to inherit the land and just throw it away. And, and I think I'm more aware of that now than I have ever been at any point in my life for a lot of reasons. Verse, in in uh, Proverbs 14, verse 1, it says, The wise woman builds her house, but the foolish pulls it down with her hands. Now, you know, that same statement could be made about a father or a child or the mother, either one. The wise builds up. The wise man built his house upon the rock. But within just the inner workings of the family, the wise is going to build it up, going to support it, encourage it, even in the tough times. But the foolish are going to pull it down. They're going to destroy it. Maybe not intentionally. Maybe not intentionally. But, but it's about wisdom. It's about wisdom. In Proverbs 12... In verse 4, it says, An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who causes shame is like rottenness in his bones. Now, an excellent wife is the crown for her husband. What does that mean? It's absolutely precious. You know, I always thought, you know, when, when you meet and you're, you're doing the courting number, you know, and you're doing, you got to be nice and open car doors and all that kind of stuff. You know what I figured out? You have to do that your whole life because it's important. And they have to know that they're appreciated. And, and I know I fall short in that, but at times, but it, it's when you go away on a trip, that this, that this has always been my thinking. When you really love your wife, and she's really your jewel, your crown, that precious person, when you go away somewhere on a trip, the closer you get back to home, the faster you drive because you want to get back there. You want to get back there. And I always had this thing when uh, had that about a five-year period. It just seemed like I was on the road all the time. And most weekends, we're in a motel somewhere. Half the time, there were times we would take trips where we'd be in four or five cities in three or four days, and I'd wake up in the hotel, and I couldn't remember where I was at. And I had to stop and think and get my bearings, you know. And I always thought, if, if only she was here with me. You know, you know that would be my rock right there. But it, it's a, a a precious nature, a precious nature to love somebody like that. 
but she who causes shame is like rottenness in his bones. Can we reverse that and put the husband in that same spot? But she or he who causes shame is like rottenness in his or her bones. Go to Proverbs 31. Verse 23. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. Now, I want want you to think about this. And tie back to that prior verse. But see, this, this is where the glory comes in. This is where the crown comes in. Is there, You're sitting among others and people know that you have a wonderful wife behind you. This is the absolute truth. We would go visit lots of places, uh, various school districts and, and things and and the first thing people would say, they would say, good to see you. Where's Becky? And, and that would be the first thing they would do, you know. And then we messed up. We took Jackson to a couple of conventions, and now they say, where's Jackson, you know. And, and it's like, you know, I'm, I'm a forgotten entity. But, you know, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Because, number one, they see that we belong together. And we complement each other. And, 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 and that's, that's what a marriage is about. To bring honor upon the other. See, fa- families are such a precious thing. Such a precious thing. And when, and when we do look around at what the way society treats it, uh, teaches the concept and lays out the concept of marriage, they've missed the point. They've missed the point. Where does wisdom come from? The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. And if you can read Scripture and you can see how God expects the family to be, the type of unit that it is and and how it operates and functions, you've lost the fear of the Lord and your wisdom has gone away because God has a reason. He's had a reason for everything that's ever happened. Look at... uh, Proverbs 17 and verse 14. Now now listen carefully. The beginning of strife is like releasing water. Therefore, stop contention 
before a quarrel starts. The beginning of strife is like releasing water. Now, have you ever seen a dam break? Even if it's a small one, you know, on a tank or something. How does the water leave that place? In a rush. And it all starts with a small weakness, too. The beginning of strife is like releasing water. Now, I, I, I can say in all honesty, in 38 years, we've argued very, very little. I didn't say we didn't disagree. But arguing, we just never have really done. Because we know there are things that we disagree about. And we'll talk about them. And we'll discuss them. And then we'll do it her way. No. <laughs> Not always. <laughs> Not always. Do what? <laughs> but, but as far as arguing, I, I just can't remember very many harsh words being spoken. The one I do remember and she brings this up every now and then. We, we had a had a boy that, uh, well, a stock show there in Kilgore, and after the show was over, one of the, one of the buyers, they actually took possession of the animals. He, he wanted to give, give us a pig. And uh, she said, well, be sure and go by the plant and pick the pig up. And I thought, we don't have freezer space for that pig. It won't fit. We need to leave it there for a while. So I did what I was told, and I brought it home, and I've yet to forgive her that that pig fit in the freezer, you know, <laughs> real well. But, it, it, you know, it's, it's little things like that. Nothing major at all. But what often happens when, when, a, when a problem arises, a little problem? Snip, snip. Snip, snip, and before long, the little thing becomes a big thing. And like water escaping from a dam, it just flows out. It says, therefore, stop contention before a quarrel starts. I can't, I can't make that any plainer. can't make that any plainer. See, a, a quarrel, in, in my mind, when I think about a quarrel, I, I think it's beyond a step of an of a, of a, of a argument. Because I think a quarrel's lasting a long time. Can't let it go. Can't give it up. Can't say, I'm through, I'm done, you know, that way. And, and, and that's true. If you ever let a quarrel start, there's a tough road uh, up ahead. It, it, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Wisdom. Wisdom. Quoting Kenny Rogers, know when to hold them, know when to fold them, you know. And a lot of time it's better to fold than it is to build things up above where they are. See, that, that's, that's what God has taught us. It, it doesn't mean give in something that you really you think is wrong that's not what it's saying 
But it means don't take the little things and blow them up and make them something they're not. Does God offer us rules of engagement? And I'm talking in warfare. We're talking war right now. Does God have rules of engagement? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. What does he tell us to do together? Pray together. Pray for each other. To embrace each other. To love each other. To care about each other. Warts and all. Warts and all. Just to keep peace. We're going to be looking at family in, in a rather deep way because it, it is something that professionally I deal with that, that disturbs me greatly when I see things. And kids are such a wonderful insight into the world, the society in which we live. And, and when I see them hurting so deeply, because they almost, in, in many cases, it, it saddens them to see other happy children. Does that make sense to you? They're jealous, and, and, and through that jealousy, they become angry and angrier. And there's nothing I can really do for them. I can pray for them. I can pray with them. Now, nowadays, it, you know, it's frowned on to even give a hug, which these kids this age, they need a hug sometimes. They need a hug because they don't get them at home. They don't get them at home. And the, Go to the movie Wednesday night. You know what about ninety percent of them will tell you? 
I'm, I'm going to church, I'm going to go to Bible study, I'm going to worship, I'm going here, I'm going there. Now, if you ask the kid on Wednesday night, you want to go to a movie, they'd be in your car loaded and ready to go before you got there. We never had a Little League game on a Wednesday night. There was never a school event scheduled on a Wednesday night. There, you know, Wednesday night was off limits. Sundays and Wednesday. Now it's Sundays, it's Wednesday nights. It's UIL sanctioned events, uh, er everything else. And to be honest with you, it makes me angry, <laughs> you know, that they do that. To, that. That they do that. But why do they allow those things now? We've allowed it. Our society has allowed it. Do I? To God out of church. If you want to get right down to it. Now, now I know that sounds harsh. But folks, there's a lot of places that Wednesday night... You know, I don't remember anybody in Mineral Wells on Wednesday nights having kid parties, things to, to just fill pews and get people in there. Getting them there. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. A absolutely. I'm, I'm, around my house, the rule was if you didn't go to church because you were sick, you, you better have a fever and be frothing at the mouth, you know, or something, <laughs> or, or you aren't going to be you aren't going to be staying home. That's just the way it was. Yeah. We'll pick up next week.